Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability, no system no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. All righty, let's roll, baby. It is a Friday edition. Of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. John Jastrzemski, rocking and rolling right here on the Ringer Podcast Network, and pretty eventful Friday here in the big city. The Jets have themselves a new offensive coordinator, and you could make the argument that Thursday night was the biggest Knickerbocker win of the regular season. You know what? I'm going to start there, because we're going to do all the football stuff in a matter of moments. I do want to start with this Nick game. I was into it. We had our SGP on FanDuel, so, you know, we're monitoring that as this game goes along against the Boston Celtics. And let's be real, for three and a half quarters, the Knicks were playing one of their best games of the year. Their defense, even without Mitchell Robinson, fantastic. We know they're going up against one of the premier teams in the entire NBA in a very tough and a very hostile environment. Randall is going off quickly is going off. And all of a sudden, the Nick Air gets let out of the balloon to the point where their win probability, and if you're into that sort of stuff, I saw Celtics play-by-play guy, Sean Grandy, was tweeting this out. I saw it right as the game was about to go to overtime. That, like, when the Knicks are up eight, nine points, whatever it was with five and change left, their win percentage was like 97, 98%. And then the Knicks just did not move the basketball at all. They played terrible isolation possessions. They took terrible shots. They missed wide open looks and they couldn't get a stop. And Jason Tatum basically took the game over, forcing an overtime. And let's be real about this. Considering the opponent, considering the choke at the end of regulation, 
Who thought the Knicks were winning this game in overtime? Like, if I could have live bet the Celtics, I would have hammered a live bet on the Boston Celtics. Then the Celtics go up five in the overtime session. I'm like, this game is cooked. It is buried. I'm looking at the clock because I got to get to SY at 11 o'clock. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to be in a real pissy mood. Knicks are going to lose. I got to sweat getting in to do television. My makeup's going to look like crap. And it's going to be a total disaster. Give the Knicks credit. They fought back into big threes and showed some major cojones at the end of this game. Listen, Randall has been an absolute monster all season long. This is not a surprise. Randall is playing just as good as he was playing two years ago. And if anything, you could make the argument he's even playing better than he played two years ago. I mean, 37 and 9, 13 and 25, just incredibly efficient. Barrett hit a big three. He likes hitting big shots against the Boston Celtics, but he got a little gift. Let's be fair. Knicks had a terrible defensive possession late. And then they have Jalen Brunson miss not one, but two free throws at the end of the game. One gets it overtime. Two probably wins in the game. He misses both. Oh, that's a shame. That's an absolute shame. Go win for the Knicks. They now have back-to-back really impressive wins. Home against Cleveland on Tuesday. One they needed in order to kind of stop the bleeding. And they continue to play really good basketball away from Madison Square Garden. They have one of the better home re- uh, road records in the NBA. They got to figure out what the hell is going on at MSG. That has been problematic for them. But you beat a team that's 20 games over 500. You survived the end of regulation. Good win. And now we'll have the Knicks and the Nets Saturday late afternoon after the Nets lose at home to the Detroit Pistons. You're not going to see Kevin Durant, but obviously Brooklyn has played very well. Kyrie Irving has played very well. That's a nice little appetizer, no doubt, going into championship Sunday. The only uh, blemish from this Nick game, aside from the end of the fourth quarter, uh, are SGP. Could Quinn Grimes hit an open three? I mean, gee whiz. We got Robert Williams in the barn. We got Randall in the barn, basically, in the first quarter. The Knicks are covering the entire game. We need one more measly three out of Quinton Grimes. That hurts, Fandle. Fandle, if you could give me some like bad beat insurance on that one, I don't think you'd do that for SGPs, but I'm begging. The New York, New York audience is begging. So we get a Nick win. We're happy about that. The audience is happy there. Although you're not happy about Dolan's comments. See, that's, that's the thing with the Knicks that drives you insane. This is a great win tonight. This team is likable. They play hard. Tibbs is getting the most out of them. The issue I have, though, is I hear the owner with this dopey facial recognition bullshit, and that's exactly what it is. It just sums, it comes across as so petty and so juvenile and so over the top. It, it does make you wonder if the Knicks are ever going to win with this guy's the owner. Like, you hear these comments, and cringeworthy doesn't even begin to describe the feelings you have. So, tough to take. Incredibly, incredibly tough to take. But that said, good win for the Knicks tonight. Now, the Jets have themselves a new offensive coordinator. Nathaniel Hackett. Before you, you jump to conclusions and say good hire, bad hire, let's state a couple of facts. Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach has nothing to do with Nathaniel Hackett as an offensive coordinator. He did a decent job with Marone in Buffalo. He did a decent job with Marone in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles as his offensive coordinator. He did a wonderful job with a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback, which we'll get to momentarily. Hackett is an offensive coordinator. That's kind of a meh hire to me. 
It's not a great hire. It's not a terrible hire here in late January. If you tell me Nathaniel Hackett is coming alongside Aaron Rodgers, then all of a sudden my excitement level for this hire changes drastically. And I said it on Tuesday, and I'll say it again here for this Friday show. Aaron Rodgers is the guy the Jets should go and get. They need a quarterback. The owner needs star power. This coaching staff has to win. They can't have ifs at the quarterback position. Would I give up this year and next year's first-round pick to go and get Rodgers here? I would. Because I think the Jets are positioned to go and make that move with number 12 as the quarterback. I don't know if they're going to be good enough to beat a team like Kansas City. I don't know if they're going to be good enough to beat a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, but it puts you in a conversation. The Jets officially moved into that conversation the way I see it if Rodgers is the quarterback. Is it risky? Yeah, it's risky. He's pushing 40. Are his best days behind him? Are you getting PTSD to Brett Favre? Like, I know that's all going to be in play, but this guy did win the MVP less than two years ago. Let's not forget about it. Two years ago, Aaron Rodgers, with, oh, by the way, Nathaniel Hackett as his offensive coordinator, won an MVP and was the number one seed in the NFC. And I think it would do wonders for a guy like Wilson and Elijah Moore and all of these skill position players that the Jets have. So the way I look at this Hackett hire is this. It's a meh hire to me. I'm not super excited about it. I'm not super down on it. It's kind of a, eh, okay. Let's see what's next. I think if we're talking about Daniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers, who are buddy-buddy, and had a good relationship from their time in Green Bay. And listen, I think Denver hired Nathaniel Hackett last year thinking Aaron Rodgers was going to be their quarterback. I think there was a lot of truth in that. That did not end up being the case. Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett was as bad a marriage as you could possibly have. And he's one and done. But don't look at his head coaching tenure and say, oh, he can't be an offensive coordinator. Because there are plenty of guys. I I could give you the laundry list. Greg Williams, North Turner, who are good coordinators. Pod Bowles, I'd put him on that list. You put him as a head coach, these guys stink. So, lukewarm on the Hackett hire. Giddy about the Hackett hire if it means Aaron Rodgers is going to be the Jet quarterback. So, before we take some calls, I'm beyond fired up and beyond stoked for these championship games. Look, you could tell me Kansas City, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, San Francisco. You know what the common theme is? All four of those teams are capable of going and winning a Super Bowl. Every single one of them. These spreads you have this weekend, we'll talk about them with Joe Benigno in a little bit with old school and new school. Two and a half, one, one and a half. They're super sharp. They're super tight. Which leads me to believe we're going to have outstanding games this week. And I do believe we have the four best teams left playing. We clearly have the two best teams in the NFC with Philadelphia and San Francisco. They've been the two best teams in the NFC all year. This show never believed in the Minnesota Vikings. We were right not to believe in the Minnesota Vikings. And we get the NFC title game, I think we all envision, maybe from like late November on. In the AFC, Cincinnati has earned it. Kansas City's the top dog, but Cincinnati was in the Super Bowl last year. They won at Arrowhead Stadium a year ago. Burrow is 3-0 against the Chiefs. He just went into Buffalo and smoked the Bills. 
He's got that it factor about him. He's losing confidence. Their defense is super well coached. Talent-wise, Cincinnati is the better team. But I get a vengeful Patrick Mahomes trying to die on the Superman cape. Oh, it's fascinating. Fascinating. Fascinating theater. He's trying to get number two. Andy Reid is trying to get number two. Could it be Philly, Kansas City, Andy Reid going against his old team? Juicy. Would it be San Francisco and Cincinnati? John Candy Bowl? San Fran, KC rematch from a couple of years ago? I, I guess the only one that doesn't have that like built-in storyline would be Cincinnati, Philadelphia. That's one I really don't have. I guess it's the idea that Cincinnati was a Super Bowl loser and they're trying to uh, avenge that. All in all, though, I can't wait for these games. They were tough to pick. Can't be any worse than last week. Tell you that much. Let's not go from 0-4 to 0-6. It's too good a regular season to go flush down the toilet. All right, before we do all our Football Friday stuff, let's take some voicemails. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, voicemail time. 917-382-1151. That's where we make some magic. Uh, we'll take a bunch. Uh, I'm in the giving spirit tonight. Let's hear them, Stefan. Let's go. Hey, JJ. This is Jeremy from Long Island. Wanted to do a Jets voicemail. Just saw they, they hired Nathaniel Hackett. I know he's a horrible head coach, but I like the hire. He was a successful OC, just like we can't go with the rookie quarterback. I wouldn't want to promote a rookie OC just in case it doesn't work out. We just tried that with the floor. But more than all this, this to me points that we're trying to get Aaron Rodgers. And let me say as a fan, I've heard some Jet fans, they don't want to give up the draft capital. Screw that. We need a guy. We've been waiting since Joe Namath, since making the NFC Championship game 13 years ago, for someone to lead this franchise. We tried on Darnold, Wilson, but more than that, he makes us relevant. Look at the last two teams, you know, that have won the Super Bowl. We got Stafford on the Rams, Brady on the Bucks. I'm not saying we're going to win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying it's a model that has worked where the old quarterback goes to a new team. He refreshes himself. We got Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, good defense. Brees Hall, hopefully healthy, could be a top five running back. And all these Jets fans were saying, oh, we don't want to give up two first rounders. As soon as Rodgers throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns, against the Houston Texans, they're going to be saying this is the greatest Jet player of all time. We need this guy. I think he wants to come here. Green Bay has said they want to trade him to the AFC. The only other contenders for that are like Tennessee and Vegas. Both those teams are kind of rebuilding, kind of not make the playoffs. 
Our team is like that Tom Brady Bucks team before he came. It is a quarterback away. I mean, Brady brought a lot of people there, but it had a good defense. It had a core that they've been working with. And I think we can definitely go to the playoffs, maybe make a playoff run if he comes there. And I would put the odds more likely than not. Just because of the Hackett thing, I think Green Bay's tired. I think Rodgers is tired. I think New York wants him. And I think, honestly, the price might be fair because we're one of the only teams that will want him enough. I don't think Tennessee is going to give a huge offer. So it'll be a very interesting month or so. I hope we get this done sooner rather than later. And uh, we'll see if we can get number 12 in Jet Green, even though it's already retired. You want Aaron Rodgers? I can't blame you. And there are going to be some Jet fans who have PTSD from Brett Favre. Remember with Brett Favre, they were 8-3. and three. He hurt his shoulder. The season went down the drain at that point in time. Brett Favre was also the quarterback that went and beat New England at New England and also beat, if you remember, the undefeated Tennessee Titans at the time. I mean, that was at a point where we were talking about a Jet Giant 2008 Super Bowl that was being brought up because that was on the heels of the Giants winning their championship, the David Tyree game, you name it. Favre was not as big a disaster as everybody made him out to be. It was the end, and it was the fact that he didn't want to be here. And they had to move on quickly, and listen, they were able to do so. Rex Ryan, Mark Sanchez, AFC paddle game the next year. I don't think this team is as good as that 2018. So I get the parallel, I get the comparison. Jets are ready to win. That team wanted to put all their eggs in the basket, and they made the move for Favre. This team's younger than that team. You can make the argument this team is hungrier than the 2018. They're not as good, but you don't have as many veterans on this current Jet team. My big question is, Aaron Rodgers, does he want to be in New York? I would do it if I'm the Jets. I find out he's interested. I find out he wants to be here. I would do it. I would give up the two first-round picks for him. They need legitimacy, and they need star power quarterback. You're getting at with Rodgers. For two years, to me, it's worth it if you're the Jets. All right, who's next? Hey, JJ, what's up? It's Richie from Denver via Queens. Um, I, I love your take. Love listening to the show. But I got to say, the one you got wrong was you would not trade Barrett for Donovan Mitchell. I mean, if we could have that one back. I mean, Rose might need to be fired just for that. I mean, Mitchell's an all-star starter. And Barrett, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. I'm watching them play the Celtics right now. His layups don't even hit the backboard. He just has no touch. That's not something you can practice for either. You have it or you don't. I know he's a hard worker, but he's just a guy. He's always going to be a sixth man. You know, come in, can get you 20 points on 40% shooting. He's never going to be an all-star. He's, he's just another guy. I mean... They could have got Mitchell for him and Grimes or whatever. I mean, that's a fireable offense right there. So I just wanted to call in. I'm done with Barrett. He's a sixth man. He's not an all-star. I know he's young, but he's just a guy. Trade him for something if you want. Trade him for a star. But he's not what we thought he was. Later, JJ. I am going to take the L on this. It's fair. I did not want to move Barrett in the offseason for Mitchell. Now, I wanted Mitchell. And I would have given up a whole lot to get him. That meant Grimes, I would have done it. That meant Toppin, I would have done it. That meant quickly, I would have done it. I did not want to move R.J. Barrett. And in hindsight, yeah, you, you wouldn't think twice. Mitchell has been phenomenal with Cleveland. Now, I think he's in a much better position in Cleveland from this standpoint. They got a lot of good two-way players on their team. 
A lot of good defensive players. You got Mobley there. You got Darius Garland there. They need somebody to go and be a closer. That's what Mitchell can do. Now, I love Jalen Brunson. I love Julius Randle. They are not all-world defensive players. How would that fit have looked? Mitchell, Randle, Brunson. We don't know. If you're comparing the two talents, yes, Donovan Mitchell is a much better player than R.J. Barrett. I acknowledge that. But my point all along was, I don't want to compromise what I have defensively. That's what it boiled down to. Mitchell's great. Listen, it'd be fun to watch night in and night out. And this has not been a great year for R.J. Barrett. He had a big shot tonight. Give him credit. That was a big three at the end of overtime. He's been way too inefficient. He's been way too sporadic from the outside. It's got to be better. I think we could all admit that. Randall has given him an exemplary year. Brunson has given them an exemplary year. Barrett is not. Barrett's got to step it up over the second half of this year. But here's the dirty little secret. You put Mitchell on this team, does it change much about their trajectory for this year? As much as I love Mitchell, probably not. Like, ask yourself this question. Are the Knicks with Donovan Mitchell as opposed to R.J. Barrett taking down one of the following in a seven-game series? Boston? No. Milwaukee? No. Brooklyn? No. Durant's playing? No. Philly? No. They're not one of the four best teams in the East. They'd be better. They'd be more dangerous, but you're doing serious prices. You'd still be stacking the Knicks, let's say, as a dog. Just saying. All right, let's take another. What's up, JJ? Pete in Westchester. Look, man, great season for the Giants. What can you say? That hasn't already been said. It was a, it was a blast to watch this team play all year. Really enjoyed the season. And I just wanted to make a quick comment. You know, listening to that, uh, you know, season-ending press conference with uh, Joe Shane and Brian Dable, man, it's, as Giants fans, it's, it's so refreshing now to, to hear <laughs> – an actual professional NFL GM talk about plans for the team, talk about, you know, addressing Saquon Barkley, you know, addressing how he's going to approach free agency and building a team through the draft and spending when you need to, not, you know, not where you want to, like Dave Gettleman did. You know, it's just after Dave Gettleman and even the last two years of Jerry Reese, you know, it's just so, it's so refreshing to have actual professional football people in the front office. So, you know, listen, he's got a, this is Joe Shane's first full, you know, real NFL offseason as GM with the Giants. Um, you know, so obviously he's, he's got to prove himself. He's got to show us what he can do. You know, it's going to be huge with this first draft, but, you know, at least just hearing like, you know, you have an adult in the room. You know, we knew that coming into the season before the off, before this season, but, you know, now that he's had a season under his belt and he's assessing the team and where we go from here. It really just is a breath of fresh air, man. And, you know, obviously very glad to have this guy and Dave uh, at the helm. So big, uh, big weekend coming up for games. Hope you enjoy it. Um, thanks as always. And go Giants. And let's see what Dave's and Shane, uh, Joe Shane got up their sleeve this, uh, this offseason. All right, man. Thanks. You should feel that the Giants are in good hands. The GM, I think, is very rational. I think he understands the modern-day NFL. I think he's going to be very pragmatic in the way he builds a football team. Something you did not have from the prior GM. The coach, listen, was incredible last year. 
And you see what he did with Daniel Jones and you see what he did with the New York Giants and you compare that to what happened in Buffalo this year with Brian Dable being gone, there is without a doubt a direct correlation. Without a doubt a direct correlation. So, you're in good hands. It's going to be tough to top next year what you did this year. I'm just telling you. The expectations are going to be ratcheted up. The schedule is going to be more difficult. Like, this is not a two-year quick-fix rebuild. The good news is I think Joe Shane and Brian Dable are well aware of that. They're well ahead of schedule. How do you build it? How do you advance your program long-term? That's what the Giants got to figure out this year. I don't think they'll spend crazy in free agency. I think they'll take care of their guys. They'll build an infrastructure. And they'll kind of keep along that path. Hitting the draft, add to the team become more dynamic, and take it from there. Jones is not going to be the tricky one for them. The tricky one to me is going to be Saquon Barkley and how they decide to handle a position that, let's be real, smart teams usually don't invest a whole lot in. But they have a unique talent, and he means a lot to the franchise. It's a tricky spot. I think we'll be back, but it's trickier than you think. All right, let's take one more. One more, Stefan. Let's do it. What's up, JJ? It's John from Connecticut. Uh, I'm just hearing the news that the Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. How is this an upgrade over LaFleur? Am I the only one who remembers Paul Hackett, his father's failed tenure with the Jets, and yet Woody can't wait to get his son in there? Probably got all sentimental, remembering the days when little Nathaniel would run along the sidelines, little Cinderella story. Well, guess what? Those, that's all it is. They're just stories. They're fairy tales. Life doesn't work out that way. Nathaniel Hackett was the laughing stock of the league last year as a head coach. And what, I'm supposed to get excited that he did a good job as the OC in Green Bay a few years ago on, with Aaron Rodgers? Reminds me of another failed Jets coach, Adam Gase, who got all this credit when he was the OC in Denver with someone named Peyton Manning as his quarterback. It's a joke. It's another terrible move. And at the end of the game is to be able to somehow get 39-year-old over-the-hill Aaron Rodgers into New York for one last-ditch effort to win a couple championships. Spoiler alert, it ain't going to work. We've already seen this movie. It's not happening. Another depressing, desperate move by the Always joke of team New York Jets. Love the show. Thanks, JJ. I appreciate it. I'm not going to be as down on the move as you are. Nathaniel Hackett is a run-of-the-mill average offensive coordinator. And yeah, it does matter if Aaron Rodgers ends up coming. That will be a big difference in loving the move, not liking the move, being indifferent on the move. Does Nathaniel Hackett's hiring mean the Jets are closer to Aaron Rodgers? That's the question. It's very simple. And I would argue it doesn't hurt their chances. Probably helps their chances. Doesn't have to worry about learning a new system, terminology, any of that stuff. I think Rodgers is coming to Jets if he leaves the Packers. I really do. Now, I'm not fully convinced he's going to leave the Packers yet because everyone thought he was going to leave the Packers last year. He ended up coming back. So he does this dog and pony show with them way too often. So I'm still kind of in the 
wait-and-see camp with Rodgers, but if he is leaving Green Bay, I don't think he'll be in Vegas. I don't think he'll be in San Fran. They're not going to trim the NFC, and I don't think he's going to be uh, in Tennessee. I think he's going to be the New York Jet quarterback if he's not a Packer. One note before we hit Beningo and Art and all our football Friday regulars, we're going to do Daniel Jones after his contract. We, we talked to the folks over there. They don't want to make any news right now. Listen, I, I totally respect it. He was great to us all year. Basically, they don't want to make any news. They want to get the contract taken care of. For our sake, we hope it's with the New York Giants. And then after all that dust settles, hopefully we'll have the quarterback in a couple of weeks. But that's our update. If you're wondering where Daniel Jones is this week, we will have him at some point. Hopefully when he's, no, a heck of a lot richer. And I can guarantee you this, he will be a heck of a lot richer. Good for him. Bet on himself and he won big. We like stories like that. All right, Football Friday. That means Beningo, the Caesar. Doesn't feel like the law firm without cats, but you know, that was like the trifecta. Beningo, the Caesar, and cats. Then it felt like a law firm. You got to have like three names for it to be a law firm. I don't know. There might be law firms with two, and it doesn't work as well. For me, at least. For my purposes, my terminology. I got to have at least three. So, it's what it is. All right, Joe B, old school, new school, coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. For the second to last time in this football season, it's old school, new school. Joe Beningo joins us. Joe, I think it's fair to say you and I had our worst yeah, collective yeah. week of the season. Yes. We both have been picking games pretty well this year. You win the week. You go one and three and you win oh, the week. Thank you, Joe Burrow. You know, kicking kicking the Bills' ass, which was, I think both of us enjoyed that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, it's it's tough. It's tough. Last week was a tough week. I mean, first, you know, you had the Chiefs, but they didn't cover the number. You know, they, was, they were on the number most of the game. They were up by 10, you know, whatever. But you could feel that they, they were, you could, I never felt the Jaguars would win. But you could feel that the Jaguars were probably going to cover. And look, I mean, two big turnovers late in the game. I mean, the Jacksonville had a real shot in that game. The fumble on the three-yard line, Lawrence threw a pick after that. So you have that game. The Giant game, we, you know, we we both kind of missed the Giants by a week. You know, I was on the Giants. We got suckered in. We were yeah. we were a week right. too early right. on fading the right. Giants. Right. That's what it boils right. down to. And how bad did that make Minnesota yeah. look? See yep. what the Eagles did yep. to the Giants. If I'm Minnesota, I'm like, holy smokes. Yep. I had a fraudulent 13-win season. Yeah. And you fraudulent. Know, and, and you know what bothers me? I was on the Giants all year. I was hitting the Giants all year. I think I went 7-1 and one with them. And then, you know, I got spooked in the Minnesota game because everybody was on the Giants like it was a foregone conclusion. And it turned out, you know, the, the one of the few times it actually turned out to be right that way. And then, uh, you know, the Giants looked like a solid 7.5-point dog. I did get a little more worried about that, though. Was, why was it seven and a half? And we found, we found out why. It could have been 30. <laughs> Who would you say was the bigger loser of the divisional round? The Buffalo Bills, because of what transpired against Cincinnati and the way they were outclassed and the fact that their window is starting right. to close a little bit here? 
Or was it the Dallas Cowboys who had a head-scratching performance from Dak Prescott? And you got to wonder, listen, he's an above-average, solid, good starting quarterback, but you got to wonder if he's ever going to win. Who's the bigger loser of the weekend, Joe? Buffalo or Dallas? I don't, I don't even think it's close. Buffalo. Buffalo by far. Agreed. Buffalo was, everybody was, nobody was picking the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl before the year started. Everybody was was picking Buffalo to win it all. Uh, it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to play that, you know, that stupid AFC championship game in, in Atlanta in a dome. Thank God that didn't happen. Um, you know, so I, I don't think there's any question. Uh, Buffalo's the big loser. You know, as far as I'm concerned, look, the Niners were better than the Cowboys. Uh, Dallas, say whatever you want. They've had back-to-back 12-win years. Uh, but you got to be concerned about this quarterback. Now, it didn't help them that Tony Pollard went out of that game as well. And they made... Big loss in that game. No doubt mistakes, about it. Man. Big, big loss. What's his name? Diggs dropped a sure interception on, on, on what, what what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown drive for the Niners. Diggs had a ball on a, on a ball that was deflected, hit him right in the hands, and he didn't come up with it. I mean, that changes the whole game if he comes up with that. So, um, and they had a couple big... Uh, also on that drive, the Cowboys had a couple big defensive holding penalties. One on third down. Uh, so, I, you know, yeah, Dak was terrible. But uh, I don't think anybody expected Dallas to be in the Super Bowl anyway. I really don't. Where everybody expected that at Buffalo. And I, and I do think Buffalo's window is, is closing. Uh, I think the Bills were exposed. They have no running game whatsoever. That eventually caught up to them. I think the losing Brian Dable really has hurt Josh Allen, who took a step backwards. All he wants to do is chuck the ball 30 yards down the field. And, you know, you're not winning. With no running game and chucking the ball 30 yards down the field, you're not going to win a lot of big games against championship caliber teams. And uh, I, I even think their defense got exposed. Everybody talked about Cincinnati's terrible offensive line. Everybody's banged up, da-da-da. And they dominated the Bills on both sides of the ball. Dominate them. And you know both who Buffalo really missed down the stretch, Joe? Von they missed Von Miller Von, yeah, a great yeah. deal. They thought Von yeah, Miller yeah. was going to be the missing the piece on that defense. Yeah. They didn't have him in any of those big games. Yeah. And listen. Buffalo's defense could not get after the quarterback. Joe Burrow able to do whatever he wanted to do. And now Buffalo with some tough decisions this offseason. What do you do with a guy like Poyer? What do you do with a guy like Edmonds? It's going to be tough for them. They'll always be in the mix with that quarterback. But is their roster going to be as good as it was two years ago? I'm putting my money on no. Uh, Before we do the picks. And one last thing. Your Jets. uh, one last thing: At some point, McDermott's going to get his his, gonna, his rear end's going to be on a hot seat there. I would agree. I would say next year, if they're not winning, they're not playing in a Super Bowl next year. They're going to be people in Buffalo saying, "You know what? It's because of the head coach." Yep. Now we got to go and make a change. I totally, totally agree. That's fair. Yep. Fair, unfair. That's the way yep. it works. If you have yep. a coach yep. that can't get over the hump, yep. sooner or later, you're looking for a reason to try to change yep. it up. Um, speaking of changing it up. Before we get to the picks, your team now has an offensive coordinator. He was an out-and-out debacle for one year mm-hmm. with the Denver Broncos. He has been a decent offensive coordinator in the past, did good work with Kyle Orton, did decent work in Jacksonville. And then, obviously, everyone is connecting the dots. Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers. Does this hire to you, Joe, in order for it to be what you'd feel good about, does it have to lead to Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback? Is that how you feel about this Hackett hire? No, no, not at all. I mean, first, and, and to me, his what he did as a coach last year and head coach in Denver means nothing as far as what kind of offensive coordinator he might be. 
I mean, I'll look at it no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Rodgers, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever. Uh, to me, uh, Hackett's an upgrade over uh, Michael Fuller. I don't, I don't think there's any question about it. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Does it leap? Look, I'm all in on Rodgers. I'm in. Let's go. I'm, I'm good with it. I don't want to break, break uh, everything and, you know, give everything away. I don't think it's going to be as bad as maybe some people think it will be. But we'll see how it plays out. I'm all in on Rodgers. But, no, I, I don't uh, – I, I think Hackett's a good hire no matter what. It's got to be an improvement over Michael Fuller. Fair enough. So you are now putting all your eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket. He is quarterback number one. I want him. All right, no, no, no. But all right, let me rephrase that then. Let me rephrase that. I'm giving you a list right now of quarterbacks that could be starting for you next year. Is Aaron Rodgers number one on the list? Yeah. Okay. No, definitely. Yes. And it will require my opinion. This year and next year's number one picks. You're going to have to give up both, I think. That's tough. It's tough. I guess I got to do it. You're going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. I guess I do. And I would. Listen, you're desperate. You got to yeah, win next yeah, year. Yeah. You need a quarterback. I, I'd make the move, too. I'd make the move, too. It's time. <laughs> That's <laughs> the time, understatement bro. of the century coming from it's you. Time. It's yeah. time. I feel like they're hey, going to hey, be look, putting you know, that and, on a and if I was Aaron, That might be at MetLife Stadium, the Joe Beningo Memorial. It's I, time. I, I, I like and that. And by the way, let me say this, too. You know, uh, to me, and I don't know, how, I'm not in Aaron Rodgers' mind, and he's a, you know, he's a little... There's things, there's a lot of things I, I don't like about Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of things I like about him. And I, you know, some of the stuff he said on this Pat McAfee uh, uh, podcast the other day, you know, I, I was happy to hear him say a lot of that stuff, you know. But with that said, you know, he can be a little out there. But the point is, that, the point is, if Joe Namath says, look, I'll pull my number out of retirement so you can wear it, that's to me means something. And maybe that's, you know, something that, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers looks at it and says, boy, they really want me here, don't they? Hey, that'd be you something, man. Aaron Rodgers wearing a jet uniform. You want to talk about putting yourself on the marquee. You want to talk about making yourself a box office type of franchise, right, Joe. Right. That would do exactly that. Yeah. It would in a big way. Speaking of box office, yep. both of these games to me are outstanding. Tremendous. Great game. I think you can you can make a case, Joe. For all no four question. of these teams having a legitimate shot no of winning a Super Bowl, no the point spreads, the look ahead lines, you're talking about pick them and one point yep. spreads, yep. no matter what yep. the matchup may be. Yep. We will start, my friend, with the game at three o'clock, and you have the honors. The Niners, two and a half point underdogs at Philadelphia. Joe, take it away. You know, I've been really back and forth. Both games are so tough. I mean, I, I like. As I'm sitting here now, I'm still not 100% either way in either game, all right, as we sit here getting ready to do it. I'm trying to put all the different things together. The Eagles, obviously, two-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't think that that's moved at all. You know, I look at the Niners, and I say, boy, you know, they're so loaded. You know, they got all these great guys on offense. They got the number one defense in the league. The kid Purdy has played outrageous. Something tells me the Eagles are winning. Um, they got that unbelievable, you know, this is going to be the first time that uh, Brock Purdy has faced the kind of pass rush he's going to see with Philadelphia. You know, they, they had 70 sacks during the year. Um, they got to Daniel Jones last week. They sacked him five times, whatever it was. They've sacked the quarterback 70 times this year. The team that was beat second was 14 or 15 behind them in the, in the league. They had four different guys sack the quarterback over 10 times. I've been on the Niners. Um, I just, I just think it's Philadelphia. The game's in Philadelphia. 
The crowd's going to be crazy. And maybe, maybe the bloom in this game comes off Brock Purdy's roles a little bit. It's very, very scary pick. It's very, very scary. Um, 15 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, I was probably taking San Francisco. I'm taking Philly and laying the two and a half. Well, I'm glad that you're taking Philly because I'm running out of games and this is one that I like, so I'm glad that I'm going the other way here. Look, I know there are a lot of scary factors for San Francisco in this game. Purdy on the road. Purdy against that defensive front. The Eagles looking as dominant as they did against the Giants last week. My thing with this game, Joe, I think Philadelphia is getting a little overvalued here because of the whooping they gave the Giants. And let's be perfectly frank. The Giants had a great season, feel-good season, whole lot to like. They did not belong on the field with the Philadelphia Eagles to the point where Jalen Hurts was asked about his shoulder after the game, and he goes, hey, I'm fine. You know, I didn't really get tested. It's not like I got hit. He's going to get hit in this game. I think the Niners have the better defense, and I think you can run on Philadelphia. I think that's the blueprint, what Washington was able to do. Take the ball out of the hands of the Eagle offense. Long, sustaining drives. McCaffrey, who said there's no chance in the world, even though he missed practice, that he's missing this game. A lot of McCaffrey, a lot of Mitchell, a lot of Debo Samuel. I'm going to grab two and a half points with a team that's been there now the last couple of years. They got a lot of playoff experience on that team. They lost an NFC title game last year. They were in the Super Bowl in 2020. I am going to take two and a half. I don't even think I'm going to need it. I think San Francisco gets to the Super Bowl and they take down the Eagles. I'm on the Niners. Heads up right out of the gate, plus two and a half. All right. Well, so we're against each other on this one. Like I said, very tough call. I mean, you know, like you said, you could make a case for all four teams. Now, the second game. Now, I'm going to give you the honors again here. I'm going to give you the honors again. And I'm going to make sure that the line is up to the minute accurate. They're moving along. Bengals by one. Kansas City is a one-point favorite against the Bengals. That is our line. Thanks to FanDuel. Oh, one point the Chiefs spread. are one-point favorite. Okay. That is correct. I, I got to take the Bengals, bro. I, I've been back and forth on this. Um, I, here's my angles on this game. All right? Here's the here's my the angle that, uh, that says, okay, here's why I like the Chiefs in the game. All right? I'm going to give you the two different angles here. The revenge factor. They've lost three straight times now to Cincinnati. Uh, you know, it's starting. People are starting to talk that maybe Joe Burrow was taken over as the quarterback in the NFL over Patrick Mahomes. You know, the Chiefs are, you know, they're, they're a tremendous team. I mean, and they are home. You know, I kind of look at that a little bit. You know, there's a lot of that sentiment about, about where Burrow is now and, and, and all of that type of thing. There is that. And there is the fact that, well, you know, the Chiefs are due to beat them. They've lost three straight times to them. Yada, yada, the game is in Kansas City. Then there's the other side of it. The other side, how I'm viewing the Bengals right now, okay? Are the Bengals a team that is ready now? And I just, this may be a little crazy to say, but I don't know. Are they ready now to be that team? Are, are the Bengals, have the Bengals put themselves in position? And I don't want to... You know, it's tough to compare them to the teams I'm going to compare them to, but this is just the position they're in. Have they put themselves in position now where they are going to be a team that's going to win a couple Super Bowls in a row? Have they put themselves in that? Wow, okay. Are they the Miami Dolphins of 1972? Now, they're not undefeated, but the Dolphins went to the Super Bowl the year before. 
lost a tough game. They really got killed, actually, in that game by Dallas. But then they came back. We know what they did in 72. They won it again in 73. Are they that type of team? Are they the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay, of, you know, of the 70s? You know, the Immaculate Reception in 72. You know, they didn't get there in 73. That's just on the precipice of being a great team, an all-time team. And I think they have a chance to be that. Um, what they showed me against Buffalo was the most impressive that the, the most impressive performance of the playoffs was what they did to the Bills on Sunday. You know, not just beating the Bills, but dominating the Bills in every way, shape, and form. Maybe they got the best quarterback in football. They got a very underrated defense. They remind me of the Dolphins uh, Super Bowl teams a little bit in that way. They, they got a very underrated defense that nobody talks about. You know, you can't. You can't name a lot of the guys. They almost got their own no-name defense, similar to the Dolphins, okay? Nobody talks about them. They got a top-flight top defensive coordinator and your buddy from Staten Island, uh, Adarumo, how would you say, Lou Adarumo, all right? I don't know. I, maybe Zach Taylor is that kind of coach. I don't know. But I think that they, I think this team is ready now to take off, and I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, and I think they're going to be a team to really be reckoned with for a while. So I'm going to take the Bengals and give me the point. Okay, I'm going to hold off on what I'm doing two weeks from now. But what I am going to do, Joe, <laughs> is endorse your pick of Cincinnati because I am right there with you with the Bengals. And I know Kansas City being a team that's playing for revenge is scary. Nobody giving Mahomes a chance is scary. It seems like Cincinnati he is, is the more so trendy to pick this week. He is banged up, and I think that's a huge factor in the game. Yeah, His yeah. mobility is not going to be the same. He also does not have Tyreek Hill, number two. Number three, I think you will see Anarumo do a much better job on Travis Kelsey than what Jacksonville did last week, where Travis Kelsey basically was the Kansas City offense, and he's catching 14 or 15 passes. Do not expect that to be the case in this particular game. Joe, here's what it boils down to, in my opinion. I think the Bengals are better. I think they are better. I think they're more explosive. I think they got more ways to beat you. I think their defense is going to cause Mahomes fits. And Joe Burrow has that it factor about him. He's yeah. not intimidated on the road. He's 3-0 against Mahomes. I think he's, he's winning the game. I do. Already. I think Cincinnati. Isn't that crazy? Mahomes, this is, he was on the verge, Joe, before this line flipped. It was Cincy one. Now it's back to Kansas City one. This would have been. The first game in Patrick Mahomes' career underdog. in the postseason that he's an underdog. It's never happened. Why? Because Joe Burrow is that dude. He's got ice water in the veins. He's unflappable. He's got a little bit of that, like, Montana Brady mm -hmm. intangible factor that you can't really measure. It's not arm strength. It's not. It's just it. That's really the best way to look at Joe Burrow. He has it. Cincinnati's winning this game. I think it's another loss for Kansas City. I think Cincinnati continues their mastery over the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think it is the John Candy Super Bowl in Arizona. It is the Bengals and the Niners. Not Boomer and Montana, but Burrow and Purdy two weeks from now. And that, How about and that? that would be the third time that they played them. They would it would be I which I think probably has never happened. I don't even I don't think we've ever had three uh Three rematches, if you will. A team play another team three times in a Super Bowl. 
And you can look down. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. The only one I could think of maybe off the top of my head, is it Cowboys Steelers or no? Uh, Cowboys Steelers. Yeah, no, that's right. That's the other one. Right, you're right about that. Still, that's right. Because they had a couple in the 70s, and then they had the one with Neil O'Donnell. Right, right. But so I remember. That it. Yes. So that, this would be the second one. That's right. You're right about that. That's right. This would be, but because you forget in 81 when it was Montana against the great Kenny Anderson, who should be in Hall of Fame himself, by the way. Let me say that as well. Ah, uh, don't get me started. When I hear Hall of Fame, did you? Uh, by the way, you I wanted want to bring well, this well, up you too. Want to hear my, what a disgrace. No, I do want to bring it up because I want your opinion a, on it. I, I heard that bro, the other day. I almost spit bro, up my so drink. You're telling me Scott Rowland. I'm, I'm t- I'm, please, you telling me. And forget about all the steroid guys. Every one of them should be in. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. They all should be in Hall of Fame. Pete Rose should be in the goddamn Hall of Fame. I am sick and tired of these 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 baseball writers. They're all on the goddamn moral high ground, okay? They're all holding it down. How about the fact, and I love John Harper. I love him. He's a great guy, okay? You got me going now. I love Harper. He's a tremendous guy. Well, Beltran, and I don't even know if Beltran's a Hall of Famer. Beltran, but this is, I'm just. To me, he is. Okay, okay, I fine. Think he is, but uh, that's maybe okay. He is. He's more of a Hall of Famer than Scott Rowland, I'll tell you that. But no any, doubt. But, but, no but doubt. John Harper says, okay, well, um, I didn't vote for Beltran this time, but he will get in. This is his punishment for what happened with Houston. What do you mean this is his punishment? What bull? That's bullshit. What do you mean? You're, who the hell are you? You're punishing him. That's crap. And that's the, that's the problem with all these baseball writers. They're punishing everybody. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Albert Bell. Where, where is Don Mattingly? Not no, uh, Scott Rowland's better than Don Mattingly. Scott Rowland. Uh, Joe, how about this? How about this? Now I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Rowland's better than Albert Bell. Come on. No shot. No Give shot. Let break. me ask you this. And and I don't think he's a Hall of Famer either. I, I want to make this clear. Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams is a better yeah, player than Scott Albert. Rowland. See Albert here. Albert. Oh, I see Albert yeah. flexing. <laughs> That's your guy. But I yes, ask you this: Bernie Who's Williams better player than Pete? Bernie Rollins, or Scott no Rowland? Bernie Williams. Look, Bernie no, Williams. I agree. Bro, not, Keith Hernandez, not Mattingly. How are these guys not in the Hall of Fame? It's a joke. These and I, and I'm listening to these guys tell me, okay, that next year, well, Todd Helton and Billy Wagner. What? Well, what? How in the world? Why? Because Billy Wagner has nice numbers as a left-handed relief pitcher. You telling me Billy Wagner's a Hall of Famer? You're telling me Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer, but Mattingly and Hernandez are not? Give me a freaking break. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. It's a popularity contest. It's all these baseball writers on the, like I said, they're all on the freaking moral high ground, okay, with the steroid crap, with Pete Rose, with all of this bullshit, okay? I'm sorry, I got to say it. And it makes makes me absolutely delirious. When I hear these guys, and there's people like Bill Mazeroski, there's people like um, uh, Craig Biggio, and now you're putting people like Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame when you don't have those other guys in? The greatest player that ever played the game in my lifetime is not in the Hall of Fame? The guy who has the most hits in the history of baseball is not in the Hall of Fame? The guy who's hit more home runs than anybody in the history of the game is not in the Hall of Fame? What? Come on. Give me a break. It's a joke. Arguably, I am glad. I am glad. I am glad that I brought this to your attention. And I, <laughs> I knew this would strike a nerve. That's why I do what I do. 
Jay, I have not talked to you about this, but I knew this was going to piss Jay, you off. I, am, I knew let it because it pissed right me now, off. I am so, and when I heard Harper, and I love John Harper. The guy's a tremendous guy. I love him. This is not anything personal about Harper, okay? All right? When he said that this is the, use that word, punishment. What? You're punishing him? Who the F are you? You're punishing him. That's a disgrace. What did he do that was sold? He had a terrible year that year that he did the, the banging the goddamn drum. Get it? Are they going to stick it to Altuve? Well, Altuve's a first ballot walk-in Hall of Famer. Are they going to stick it up his ass? Are they going to punish him because he was involved in, the, in that crap scandal? Oh, nonsense? you know they are. You know they They're are. And I can't stand him? Altuve. He's no, a no, first he's ballot Hall of punish. Famer. Ha- bullshit. Can't make it up. Bullshit. It's long overdue that something's got to be done with the Hall of Fame that these guys should not have the only votes there are for who gets in. I'm telling you right now, it's something. This should be a way to get the public to be involved in who goes in the damn Hall of Fame and take it away from these holier-than-now baseball writers. It's a freaking disgrace. Joe Beningo, I love you. Uh, Final (laughs) thought, who are you more confident in? Cincinnati or, or Philadelphia? The Bengals. Me too. Me too. I'm right there with you. I'm more confident in the AFC title game. Cincinnati is winning this game on Sunday. Beautiful. Night. They all no, winning. I do think that. Well, brother, and I think they're winning it all. I think you that, enjoy I think Cincinnati's on the verge of being being one of those great teams. And one of those teams is going to win a couple of Super Bowls. I do. Well, I love that I was able to rile you up a little, a little bit. bit. We'll take wait next till I do Thursday my podcast off. tomorrow. Wait till that happens. Uh, I'll be um, ready. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. The Joe Benigno podcast. Get your popcorn ready. Um, I will take next week off. I will see you in two weeks. I will be in Arizona. Yep. I'll have some golf scores to report. Nice. Uh, and I'll see you then. Yep. All right. Well, all the love. Stefan, love and happiness, bro. The great Joe Benigno, Art the Caesar, is up next. We go from our buddy Joe Beningo to Las Vegas, our guy in the desert, Art the Caesar, Westgate, Superbook extraordinaire, getting ready for Championship Sunday. Or can you believe it's Championship Sunday already, dude? My goodness, my man. JJ, I cannot. It's uh, The games are wonderful, so it's exciting. But then you also start thinking there's three football games left. So it makes you a little sad, but wonderful games. I don't think we get a bad Super Bowl and, you know, away we go. I'm fired up. You're fired up. And I think all in all, just based upon what the look-ahead lines are for the Super Bowl, I think you can easily make the argument and make the case that all four of these teams have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Is that what Vegas is telling us with these short numbers for Championship Sunday and the insanely short numbers that you would have for a look-ahead Super Bowl line. Seems like the books have no idea who's winning this Super Bowl. From like a favorite perspective, they're like, yeah, all four of these teams, pretty darn equal if you ask me. You're absolutely right. I mean, just look at right now, the odds to win the Super Bowl. You basically have anyone from plus 270 to plus 300, maybe a little bit lower, plus 260, maybe it's plus 310. So everyone's right in that range. All possible Super Bowl matchups are either pick'ems or minus one. I've seen some one and a half at possible Super Bowl matchups, but all these games, all these matchups are toss-ups. And you know, I saw that stat. I know you saw it too. Since the AFL NFL merger, this will be only the third time if the Eagle Niner game stays under a field goal 
that both championship games are under a field goal. So it just doesn't happen a lot. I mean, these games are as tight as they could be. All right, let's get to the first one. Philadelphia and San Francisco. Not a ton of line movement in this game. It opened Philadelphia by one and a half. It got to two and a half. It has not moved to that key number of three art, which to me is pretty telling. Books very comfortable keeping the Eagles favored by less than a field goal. Do we think this line is maybe a little higher because of the beatdown they gave the New York Giants? Or is this what you expected this line to be, let's say, a week ago? If I had told you Philly-San Fran, it's the NFC title game, would you have put this line at two and a half? I think the number is right where it should be, and I would have. And I think, it, you know, we've talked about this for years. It's last thing you saw. Eagles destroy the Giants. Niners, if you're being fair, they didn't play that great against Dallas. I mean, you know, Dallas had a couple turnovers, some penalties, kicker issues. Probably could have won the game if they had a better performance. Now you have Purdy that has to go on the road. And I think people really forgot this. And I even forgot it as a Giant fan. The Eagles from week one through what, 14 or 15 before Jalen Hurts got injured, they were the best team in the league. I mean, they were steamrolling everyone. So they showed you that last week. And I think, like you said, the initial move of one and a half, two and a half, it's been nothing but Eagle money for us. Totals actually gone up too from 45 to 46 and a half, which I think is interesting because I actually kind of like it to be a tighter game and a little bit more low scoring. But Honestly, I can't go against what I've seen out of the Eagles. I think the Eagles are the better team. I think they find a way to win. All right, so you're on the Eagles right out of the gate. I am not. I think San Francisco has the blueprint and the recipe to go and win this game. And I know the Purdy factor is going to scare you. But, Art, I think we're a little bit of a prisoner of the moment here with the Eagles. They demolished the Giants. They embarrassed the Giants. This is going to be a far stiffer and a far more difficult test with San Francisco's defense, with San Francisco's running game. And this, to me, is a game where you are going to see Jalen Hurts legitimately get tested by that Niner defense. I don't disagree. And, and that's why I'm glad you mentioned both running games. That's why I think the total's in play for an under. And the fact that it went up a point and a half to 46 and a half, I think both teams want to run the ball. They feel good about running the ball. They want to limit what their quarterbacks have to do, even though obviously Hurts probably has a little bit longer of a leash because he's at home and he's played more than Purdy. But, yeah, I, you know, and listen, I have the Eagles, but I'll, when we get to my teaser, I got the Niners in a teaser because I think it's a tight game. I really think, you know, especially when you tease the Niners, we're going to be within that three to seven point game. All right, I like that. I'm totally with you on the under. Seeing it right now at 46 and a half, that'll be a play for me. Now we get to the AFC game. This line's been moving like crazy. So, Art, full disclosure, I watched the Bengals dismantle Buffalo on Sunday. I locked in plus two and a half with Cincy as soon as I saw that number. It plummeted. It went to one and a half. It went to one. Then Cincinnati was favored earlier in the week. Then it changed. Mahomes has his presser. He looks good. People are saying he's fine. And now you're seeing Chiefs money come in. And the Chiefs are favored by one. This line wouldn't be at one if it wasn't for the Mahomes injury, but that's obviously something you have to factor. I am going to guess, though, you guys are getting nothing but Cincinnati money. Is that fair? A hundred percent. And this has been so fascinating. Good for you getting that two and a half because you're not going to see that again with Cincinnati. 
We actually opened it KC minus three. We had it for about 45 minutes to an hour, KC minus three. Cincinnati money starts flooding in. Like you said, at one point, we had Cincinnati minus one and a half. Now we're Kansas City minus one. I think we'll probably tick back up to one and a half. This this is, public is very high on Cincinnati. Obviously, the Mahomes injury plays into it. Cincinnati's success against Kansas City plays into it. Kansas City never covers. Cincinnati, all they do is cover. Um, man, this is, I keep going back and forth on this game. I don't really know where to go. I just, I believe in both teams. I think both teams can obviously win the game, just like any of these teams. I don't know. I mean, I think this in a, in a perfect world, Mahomes fine, never got hurt. This would be two and a half, three. It would be. That's what the line would be. It would be Kansas City in that range with a healthy Mahomes and no problems. And, you know, especially because Cincinnati still has the offensive line issues, didn't matter last week. You and I were both uh, believing in the Bills. It didn't matter. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this game is going to be interesting from the standpoint of what, can we get any Kansas City money back? Because it's been nothing but Cincinnati money. And now, can, now Cincinnati's the dog again. So people are going to load up on the money lines. They're going to be in on teasers. We're going to be buried to Cincinnati. We're really going to need the Chiefs. I think out of all all the teams and all the scenarios, Chiefs winning outright for us is probably going to be the best result. We're going to need it. Wow. Hard to believe. The team that yeah. is usually the king of Joe Public now actually turns into the team that the books are rooting for. Art, I'm in on the Bengals in this game, and I understand Cincinnati has not been a darling of sharp betters. They've been a darling of public betters, and they've been making them money week after week after week. Dude, I just think they're better. I think their defense is going to cause Mahomes fits. I am concerned about his status going into this game. He doesn't have Tyreek Hill. I think Anarumo does a better job on Travis Kelsey. And, and here's my issue, Art. I don't like the idea of fading Joe Burrow right now. He's red hot. Yeah. He's playing out of his mind. I'm going with Cincinnati. Joe and I are united front in the Bengal-Kansas uh, City game. We are heads up with Philly and San Francisco. So it seems like I'm not getting any endorsement from you this week. Zero. Well, no, I, I, and you know what, JJ? I think I would probably lean towards Cincinnati too. Yeah, I'm with Joe. I think the Eagles find a way to win the game. Like I said, I'm going to put the, the Niners in my tees. I just feel that that's the right side. I actually think both dogs are the right side in the tees. I just do, um, especially now that Cincinnati is back as a dog. But uh, yeah, I think because Joe's with the Eagles, I'm going to slightly lean with Joe last week, even though I slightly lead with you last week because I was with you on the Bills. And we were totally wrong there. Well, it was a bloodbath. That was our worst collective yeah. week of the year. Joe won the week. He went one and three. I put up the goose egg and go 0 and 4. So we got to turn that around. Um, I want to throw this at you. Total in the Cincy KC game. Open at 52 and a half, down to 48. Or I love the under in that game. I think you will see both offenses stall out. You mentioned a Bengal issue on the offensive line. Then you throw in Mahomes and his lack of mobility. I like the under. If I could get 48 and a half, dude, I love it. I love it, dude. Yeah, you know, and we actually, we're back to 48. We actually got as low as 47. We saw 47 like a day and a half ago. So it's now creeped up because once you kind of bottom a number out, people are going to come in and bet it. There are ways to kind of middle the game if you get the highest and lowest number, all those type of things. But, you know, wild card weekend, all the games went over. We go to the next weekend, all the games go under. 
the the further you get down the line here, championship weekend, these games are going to be tight. There's going to be some things that I think play towards unders, which I feel both. I feel more strongly about the Eagle under, but I'm with you. I think the Bengal Chief under is a good one as well. Um, you're a tease. You're going with both underdogs, aren't you? That seems like the tease of the week. Take uh, take Cincinnati, tease them up. Take San Francisco, tease them up. You agree? There's no doubt. The two-team six-point tease this week is Niners plus eight and a half and Cincinnati plus seven. And listen, if you guys wait, you might get that one and a half with Cincinnati. Obviously, we're doing this, you know, now. So it, it is what it is. The numbers are there. But, you know, by the time you get to kickoff, maybe you have the Bengals at the one and a half and you get the seven and a half. But even with the seven, I feel good about it. So, yeah. The two team six point T's, Niners eight and a half, Bengals seven. Or right, before we say goodbye, you know I will be out in Las Vegas, the JJ Extravaganza for his bachelor party final four weekend. We want to have some futures alive for that weekend. It will yes. be a lot more fun if we have some significant futures that are in play. I have three right now. And I know it's very early in college basketball. Very, very, very early in college basketball. I want to get your grade on these. I'm starting first with my long shot. North Carolina at 45 to 1. I have Virginia at 20 to 1. I have UCLA, which is probably my chalkiest pick, at 15 to 1. UNC, UVA, UCLA. How do we feel about those futures? Well, I'm going to tell you right now off the bat, I'm with you on one of them because I have one preseason. So I love one of those picks. We'll start with North Carolina. Obviously, now you're getting them at the bottom of the rung. What'd you say? You got them 45 to 1? 45 to 1. Team that yeah. was in the national set, national championship game and yep. everybody back except for Manning. Everybody back. And and they were preseason number one. We have North Carolina, full disclosure, at 20 to 1. So, See, I got a good I mean, number on that. I you got, got a, good a great number. number. On that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just from the number standpoint, the only thing that scares me about UNC, and obviously it doesn't matter in the tournament, you just got to win in advance. Man, it feels like every week they never cover any games. Like they just UNC just. It feels I think like they're they coasting. Have... Or in all seriousness, yeah, dude, I think they're coasting. They don't need this regular season. Getting to the tournament, they were in the championship game as an eight seed last year. I think as long as they get in, they're going to be a very, very tough out this group. Very tough. And, and they could be because obviously they have the experience of last year. I think just from a value standpoint, good for you getting that because. By the time we start getting the t- tournament time and maybe they make a run in the ACC tournament, make the semis, make the final, whatever the case may be, that number is going to be way lower than 45, 40 to one. So good for you getting that value. The next team is the team I'm with. Virginia is the love of my life. I got them at 60 to one. I love wow, them. You got a yeah. good number there. Much yeah. better than me. Pre-season. Much better That's than pre-season. me. Okay. That's preseason. Now we are once again, Virginia 20 to one as well. I love Virginia. I, I I just we know how good the coach is in the tournament. That team's like under the radar this year. No one seems to talk about them. Obviously, they're going to be battle tested in a tough ACC. I love Virginia, so I'm going to endorse you on Virginia. I think that's great. UCLA, despite like you said being chalky, you got them what twelve to one, fifteen to one. Okay, fifteen. We're at ten to one. So you know, good value there as well. And UCLA is once again one of those teams because they're a West Coast team. Nobody talk. I mean, dude, they still got a lot of those guys who were on that Final Four team. Like the coach is good, and you know, there's some there's some battles in the Pac twelve. You know, they get tested here and there with some of those good teams. I, honestly, the 
if I had to rank what I like out of yours, obviously I'd go Virginia because I have them. And I'd probably put UCLA second and North Carolina third. North Carolina's values the best. I just personally don't think they can win it. But from a value standpoint, that's the best value you have. But I would go Virginia and then UCLA. Listen, let's hope a couple of these tickets are alive going into the second weekend or maybe even to the Final (laughs) Four uh, at a certain establishment, which I am very fired up to attend. Um, And I'm sure there will be more added between now and whenever we hit Selection Sunday. So I'm in a lab. I'm thinking about it, pal. Listen, best of luck to that teaser this week. Let's cash them, uh, and we'll take a week off, and we'll talk to you right before the Super Bowl. Yes, JJ, sounds good. And I love that we're talking hoops, especially college, because you and I both know we love college. Hey, listen, we love the NFL, and it's almost over, but our mind quickly will turn to conference tournaments and and March Madness and all that. So it's always fun to talk a little hoops with you. Amen to that, and I'll be in the lab watching a bunch of games on Saturday. I mean, now it's time. We we seriously got to start putting that work in for the NCAA tournament so we could be rocking and rolling and ready to go. All right, Art Dice, I'll talk to you in two weeks. Thanks, buddy. JJ, you're the best. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, Championship Sunday. Only two games left for you on this particular Sunday. What do we got, good sir? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick. We're up to the conference championship games. That are our final three games. We got two games for this weekend. As far as last week, I had a nice week. Um, three, I went three and one. I'm six and four on the, uh, during the playoffs. I lost my money play, but I'm one and one and overall 13 and seven. And you're still doing great. You lost your best bet, so you went one and one in the playoffs, but you're still uh, 14, five and one. Our head to head battle, of course, I went three and zero against you because you had a, a bad week. I'm five and two against you in the playoffs. And our family play, we dropped our family play, so we're one and two together. So let's see, what we got rolling for today. All right, two tough games. Uh, my money play, where I gave an edge to. I got to go with the team that I said from the beginning of the playoffs that I think is the best team. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm taking the two and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, game number two, I think it's a revenge factor this time from last year. I'm going to go with the Kansas City. That line's been switching like crazy. Now it's back to the Chiefs on minus one. I'm going to go with the Chiefs minus the one over the Bengals. Again, my two plays. As the two, my money play, I'm going to go with the 49ers plus the two and a half. And I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs minus the one. Let's see if we got some family plays out of these two. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. We will be riding together with Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. I am surprised that you're in the camp of taking the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought you'd be on Cincinnati after what you saw last week. So you're going with Kansas City and San Fran, which would be a rematch of the Super Bowl we had a couple of years ago down in South Florida. I think we're getting the John Candy Bowl. I think it's Joe Burrow against Brock Purdy. That'd be a fun little storyline. In Arizona. Niners, Bengals. Let's hope that two-team tease and that two-team parlay comes through for us. Good job by Stefan. We will be back Sunday after everything wraps up. Championship Sunday, we'll have you covered across the board. We got Knicks-Nets on Saturday, which I'm looking forward to watching. So we'll see how the Knicks handle some national TV spotlight. A lot of national TV games for the Knicks over the next couple of days. So... Chat then. Enjoy your weekend. JJ out. Be good, everybody.
This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. 